0: Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. This month we're talking about this is us and um, this has in my head... I, I'm not sure about you, but in my head, it's like a an inventory of different l- music lyrics, and whenever I hear something, it's like I just start tracking. Um, so this is like a, a throwback to um, the Greatest Showman, the This Is Me, sort of song. And um, I'm I'm not a, a woman with a beard, so I can't pull it off. But I'm a, I'm not a man with a beard either. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But um, this is us, and the idea behind it is, this is just who we are. We are who we are. This is like when you've ever been asked something, it's like, why do you do that? Uh, why are you so generous? Why are you so kind? Uh, why, do you, why do you give in to the church every week and live off 90%? Why do you um, lend a helping hand? Why do you give in to the bushfire appeals? Why do you care? And you go, well, it's just, this is us. It's just it's just who we are. This is me, bearded song lady. Um, but <laughs> but um, it's such an exciting idea of being, we are the church, it's not just the pastors, it's not just the leaders. It's actually every single individual, and Pastor Jared brought out the Dole houses a couple of weeks ago and illustrated the expansion as people grasp the vision that Jesus imparted into us and saying, come be a part of my mission, and as we grow as individuals, we see more people come into the kingdom, more people come to in our, into our church. They then get discipled, get a fire inside them to disciple other people, and it's that snowball effect that my wife was talking about, and it's just so exciting that this is who we are. We are influential. We are an international organization that influences people through Jesus Christ. We're seeing transformation come to their lives. This is just who we are. And um, I've, got a, I've got a word um, tonight, and um, uh, as Amanda said, it was I, s- I said it on Friday as well, a slightly different version, because I'm not smashing watermelons tonight. Um, this takes too long. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, not really. They explode real quick. Uh, but it's really this, I want to unearth, like we've heard the story of David and Goliath. I grew up many times. I know the story. But I actually want to unearth some of the, the meat and veg behind the vision that David carried within himself. And I like, I like to think that if I were to approach David afterwards, like many people would meant, David, good job smash that guy, like right in the noggin. Um, But I wonder if David's like, knowing the story, knowing that it was just a God thing for him, um, he's just like, well, it's just another day. This is just who I am. Uh, in, In the story, we'll get into it, it says, but I killed the lion and the bear, God will take out this guy too. Like it, it has very actually in his heart very little to do with whether it's a giant, a lion, a bear, whether it's a relationship, whether it was a battle. It doesn't matter to him. It's as as Christ followers, it doesn't matter what we're facing. The spirit of God is the same. God is the same powerful God every moment. Um, and so what that means is we're going to be reading 50 verses tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be reading 50 verses. So prepare your minds for 1.25 speed. Um, as, we, as we read this, um, if you've got your Bible or your device or not, and you just like to lose the bright projectors behind me, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel 17. Let's go. Let's go. Um, we are reading. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do this. So we got, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. They pitched the camp at these destinations. Yes. Saul and the Israelites assembled the camp in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. I just want to paint the picture here that the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, and there was a valley between them. So there's a face down going off, face off going down. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, I'm not sure how you're familiar with the metric system, but that's not in it. Um, So that's approximately uh, a nine foot. So pretty much, this guy's big. He had a bronze helmet on his head, which was the the strongest metal at the time. Very expensive and wore a coat of scaled armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore... Um, bronze greaves and bronze javelin was slung on his back and his spear shaft was like that of a weaver's rod. I have many weaver's rods at home. And his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His bronze shield bearer went ahead of him. Here we go. That's painting the picture. Now we're getting into the dialogue. Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, any man, and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said this, Today I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, let us fight each other. Then on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now we're going to hit 1.25 speed, so stay with me. Early in the morning, David went to the flock, left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to the battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines to face each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines to ask how his brothers were good As he was talking with his brothers, so David had not yet heard Goliath. Goliath, the Philistine champion, came out from Gath, or Goli- champion from Gath, stepped out of his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. What a fun, this, that very line, and David heard it, changes the entire story. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from the taxes in Israel. Marriage and money, good deal. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? Removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Burn! That he should defy the armies of the living God. Now let's point out the armies of the living God, the Philistine came out, the Goliath came out to defy the armies of Israel, but David noted that he came out to defy the armies of the living God. Key note, they repeated to him and they'd been saying in, um, and told him, this is what we will be done for the man. Now Eliab, David's oldest brother, this, David's already anointed as king and Eliab has been rejected as king. He should have been king by standards. He's the oldest. He has the inheritance. So here is Eliab now coming up to his younger brother, who he doesn't like a lot right now because he was rejected when he wasn't accepted. And so we get this context now. And Eliab's the oldest brother heard him speaking with the man. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here and with whom do you leave those few sheep? That is a shot at David in the wilderness. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. Skipping down to... 32 David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of the Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You were not able to go up and fight the Philistine I'll go up against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior since his youth. I love that Pastor Carolina found that so ironic, because the Philistine had been fighting since he was young, but Saul was not letting David fight since he was young. And David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Pretty much. I got nothing. Verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield banner, went out in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David with his, by his guards. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. He is, he is, he's, David's about to lay it down. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. The day the Lord, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to him, David ran quickly, attacking the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bare Bag, he took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with the sling and the stone. Without a word, sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him, took the Philistine's own sword, drew it from the sheath, and killed him, cutting off his head. Mad. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned. And ran. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is I Will Not Settle. Subtitle Redefining Faith. Lord Father, I just thank you for this opportunity for us to hear your word. Father, I pray that hearts would be open tonight, your spirit would be moving tonight. Father, I pray you'd stir within us a discontentment against the things we've accepted as normal, but you have called to change. Father, would we stand against the armies defying you, the lies defying you, and see victory through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for 2020. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. So I just bought a car. Um, it's new to me. It's not new to the world because depreciation sucks. Um, <laughs> um, so we just bought a new Red, sexy i30, and um, we, uh, it's a great little car. It doesn't have cruise control, which is a mystery to me. Um, I miss cruise control. It's okay, though. I'll get it. Um, but I've been driving a whole Nastro 2005 for the last 10 years. Um, my parents actually bought it back in 2005, so it was nice. It's been in the family its entire life. Um, but it was time. You know, what I, you know exactly what I mean. It's like, it's time. The car's gone. The car's done. The aircon had not been working for two years, um, which is fine during winter, but during summer it's like a mission. And I apologise if you ever hug me after hopping out of that car. Um, and the aircon had been broken. The back stitching on the chairs had been broken. The steering, um, the stick shift, the metal, the um, sign had come off of it. The metal's going. The windows, things broken. Uh, it's it's not good. But it's still like it took me three times to start it in the morning, but it still started. Um, <laughs> then it ran perfect for the rest of the day, perfect. Um, but it, it, during the end of its life, was we sort of like we'd been thinking about buying a car for the last twelve months, but we sort of just been pushing it back. You know, I, I got another year out of it, I got another six months out of it, got tw- um, three months out of it, got another couple of days out of it. Um, just because it still it still accomplished the goal. It was got me from it got me to work. It got me home from work. It got me here. Took people home safely. Um, and it, it was achieving the goal. Um, until, until we got this new car, I didn't realize what I've been living with. Uh, <laughs> I remember the first time I got to work uh, in, the, in the new car. I texted Amanda: hey, it started the first time. <laughs> um there's air conditioning, I can plug my iPod, my iPhone into it now, um, rather than just using an Office Works Bluetooth speaker, um, or just headphones. And so it, it, I didn't realize what I was settling for, because I hadn't been exposed to what could be. And, and that's fine when it comes to a car, um, until you get the new car. Um, but wouldn't it be a sad reality if that was our way of following Christ? Living living a state where we were content with what we had, even though there was so much more on the horizon already gifted to us. <laughs> because in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, every spiritual blessing in heavenly realm has already, already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. That's a cool statement. This is why we celebrate him with our hearts. You know you can get a gift but never unwrap it? My, um, my sister used to be, mom and dad used to give us Easter eggs and call it the Easter Bunny. Um, but it was actually the Easter Bunny. Ah, I'm so confused still. Um, but my, my, my sister used to get this big ad, but she never unwrap it. I don't know why she found it more attractive than edible. And she would, she would think it as a, as a thing, but she'd never unwrap it. And in this, it says that we have been given a gift of every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. But I wonder if we've unboxed the gift yet. I wonder if we've actually found the freedom that God's talking about. I remember vividly as a teenager, I would have been 14, 15, something like that. God imposed like an image, a photo in my mind that I couldn't shake. And it was it's this, this picture of this sort of downcast, dismayed man sitting in a prison cell, dark dungeon sort of vibe. And he's sitting down and he's dismayed. He's, he's obviously been in this position. He's lost hope. And he's, he's found himself dismayed because he's in, he's in jail, he's in prison, he's bound, except as he was sitting there, his shackles had already been broken, lying on the ground, and the prison door was already open. And God spoke to me that in the moment, seize the freedom you've already received, seize the power you've already received. You know, the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave, Every time you meet a miracle in scripture, every time you see Jesus walk through, deaf eyes or deaf ears open, eyes seeing clearly, healing happen, decrepit, arms reaching out, demon possession released. It's the same spirit that lives inside of you and that same power is accessible to you. So why do we settle for anything less than what God's promised? Because if God's promised healing, and then I see a sick person, there's a discrepancy here. So what, what do I believe? Do I believe the Word of God? Do I believe the promises of God? Or do I lower my faith and my perspective to elevate the illness, the sickness, whatever it may be, above the Word of God? In which case, I'm not seizing the power and the gift that's already been given to me. I want to release some truth here tonight. You do not have to settle anymore. You do not have to settle for living a life driven by fear. You do not have to settle and repeat the dysfunctional relationships that you've grown up with. You don't have to settle for living with anger anymore. You don't have to settle with the bondage of a mentality of financial lack and poverty that you've seen witness to you for years. You don't have to settle for illness. You don't have to settle with the shadow of anxiety weighing upon your soul. You don't have to settle with self-condemnation or accusations or secret sins anymore. There's freedom in Jesus' name. You don't have to settle for a life of shame because of what you were done or was done to you because there's freedom now you don't have to settle for crime or drugs that has been demonstrated to you and your family because you have freedom you have life every spiritual blessing has already been bestowed upon you it's claiming it you know in the in the old testament god spoke to the israelites and said we'll give you the promised land but it's interesting at that moment of promise, they didn't have the land. They still had to seize what was promised. So we're going we're to unbox some stuff tonight from David. Because these aren't three points. This is not a, these aren't three points to implement self-help into your life. I'm sorry, I'm not that guy. Um, what they are is observations around the life of David. Because in this story we see David when everyone else, literally everyone, it says all of Israel was terrified by Goliath, by the enemy that stood before him. They cowered, they ran away, they fled, and here's this teenage guy standing, and he did not consider Goliath any bigger than the lion or the bear, though let's consider the fact he still killed a lion, (laughs) It's still a lion. Like he grabbed it by the hair and hit it on the head. That means you need to get near its mouth. Um, (laughs) And a bear, there's like claws going on. I'm not sure if it was a brown bear or a black bear. Either way, it's still a bear. Uh, (laughs) But the spirit of God was so on him and his perspective was so defined by God's abilities that there was no difference between the lion, the bear, Goliath, or anything else in his life. So let's, let's unbox it. Are you with me? Cool, cool. First point and the second point are like one. First point is like primary point. Who knows science reports? So I was like introduction, 1.0 introduction. So this is like 1.0, 1.1, 1.2. They're like sub points. You know what I mean? Sorry, engineering, uh, business. Uh. David knew who his God was. David knew who his God was. In the midst of it, I I made that contrast, didn't I, between defiling the armies of Israel, but David called it out for what it was. He identified it as defying the armies of the living God. It was a personal attack against God in David's eyes. And David, knowing who his God is, couldn't take that. David knew that his God was the creator of the heavens and earth. He knew that he was big enough to Call out an entire nation from oppression under the Egyptians. He knew the stories. He he surrounded himself with testimony of what God had done. He wrote it on the it says wrote it on the tablets of his heart in the proverbs and in the Psalms. He 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 took the promises of God. He took who God was and he knew him personally. It wasn't some distant figure that he knew historically. It was his God. He knew who he was. And then the point two, point one, point two is David defined his faith by who his God was. So history lesson during this moment of his, Israel and Philistines, um, they had beef. They didn't, they didn't like each other. Obviously, they're fighting each other. Um, but the Philistines were a big group of people. There are lots of armies. Um, there was a previous account where it was like sand on the seashore was that of their army. I have encountered sand, but that's a lot of people. And so we see this oppression. um, And only probably a decade beforehand, we see Saul actually revolt against the oppression of the Philistines. And so up until that point, the Israelites had grown up. The army of army age, these men had grown up under the oppression of someone else. And their oppression had preconditioned them to fear the enemy that the preconditioning they received from the uh, oppression said, fear this big man. Fear this big man. And it's interesting contrasting that between David, because David grew up under the same oppression. However, his personal relationship with God redefined his conditioning. He wasn't preconditioned to fear them. He He knew who his God was. And I like how it says in the scripture then, further down it says, I come at you, you may come at me with sword, spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Pretty much to say, who is this guy? Because he's defiling him. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go stand in the middle and be a messenger for this guy. It's not even David's battle. He's fighting for God. It's defiling the armies of Israel. In our day, in our moment, New Testament, I wonder what oppression has preconditioned you to settle. Maybe it's the oppression of illness. Maybe you've accepted that that just won't change. Maybe, maybe that family member is just always going to be that harsh. Maybe that friend just will never be saved. And it's this persistence that created normality out of what was never meant to be normal. And we see that oppression ended when s- just one man took it. What darkness have you settled for just because it's been there for a long time? In those moments where we, we say a testimony, I love testimony, by the way, um, it creates an atmosphere of faith in which our spirits agree with the m- works of God, so we get encouraged. Um, it, it's the spirit of prophecy, if God can do it once, He can do it again. But those moments aren't just because there's a, those moments of testimony that we share during the transition there aren't just because we think it's a good idea, um, or that it's on the roster, or something like that. It's actually to stir faith, in the sense that, let's not settle any longer for this, if If, I think the one this morning is, there was uh, unemployment for three months and they started to get discouraged. But they got a job and not only their dream, uh, a job, their dream job in the place they've always wanted to live. So the person in the crowd goes, ah, I'm looking for work. If God can do it once, God can do it again. And we see this transition here. So I wonder how many much darkness you've settled for in your life, family members, whatever that may be, just because it's been persistent. I wanna stand for family members. I wanna stand for friends. I wanna stand against the principalities of darkness. I like this quote from Smith Wigglesworth. It says this, there is nothing impossible with God, all the impossibilities with us when we measure our God by the limitations of our unbelief. You could say it another way, when our faith is solely defined by God and His power, we free ourselves from the binds of our own limitations. Don't let anything define your perspective of reality but the Word and the promises of God. What words are you letting speak louder to you? Is it the worry? Is it the pressure, is it all these, pressure, all these things or are you releasing the power of God in your life because you choose his word, his promises and his power? I will not settle any longer for a region wrapped up and bound in a lack of, in a lack mindset. I will not settle any longer for domestic abuse. I will not settle any longer for anxiety. When we pray, when our young people pray at youth, it releases something of this, releases freedom into their, because they believe the word. We say a lot that, hey, older generation pray for the youth. Hey, why don't you go find a youth and get prayed for? Because they're releasing something powerful. I'm going to have to skip over a couple of things, but what I want to end on is this. Our f- battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in heavenly places. There's some things that you can't physically fight. There's some words that you can't say against that person who's obviously super withdrawn or super cut off from hearing you speak about Jesus. But our most powerful weapon is prayer because they're bound up not by a wrong mentality, but there's a spirit on them that needs to be broken. There's the story that Jesus tells of the persistent widow. And he said, he says to tell them this story so they may also always pray and not lose faith. To break, to break a stronghold, to break a spiritual thing, if you haven't seen it happen yet, just keep on praying. When something is persisted, you hit back with persistent prayer. It may take six months, it may take six years, it may take 60 years. Doesn't matter because we stand for the word of God, we stand for the promises of God, and we will not settle any longer for anything less than what God's promised. There's freedom in your life, there's power in your life. Just need to unbox it. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.